The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning, happy Monday, and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national, regional, and local headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress, local elected officials, and other high-profile public figures. If you're just tuning in, this is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK. 90.7 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Drummy, here with my producer and co-host, Ricky Herrera. Hello, Ricky. Good morning, Vic. How are you, man? It's a great Monday morning. You? It's cold, but I'm loving it. I agree. I completely agree. So let's get right into it. Um, let's just talk about something that's a little, unfortunately, it shouldn't be funny, but it is sort of amusing that... Uh, Congressman George Santos of New York, who's embattled and has, I don't know how many complaints against him and how many lies he's been caught in. He is apparently trying to, um, well, he's supporting a bill to get America to have a national gun because of everything that's happening that must be our priority. I know you know about this. Yeah, so the bill was put forward in the House by Representative Barry Moore, a Republican from Alabama. The bill, it seeks to declare that the AR-15 style rifle, I don't know, there's there's, there's some specs on it that I don't even care, care to read, would be the national gun of the United States. Uh, that's according to summary of the legislation. Full text of the bill has not been released. As you just mentioned, uh, George Santos, who's who's been under fire for being an idiot and a liar, pathological liar at that. Latest headline on him is that he's uh, he's backing this bill. And I just want to say, uh, first of all, the bill is it's stupid. And I don't mean to be so rudimentary in, in terms of my uh, opinion on it, but that's really what it is. It's just kind of stupid and uh, not necessary. Anyway, George Santos, uh, back in the bill, it just proves that he is a tone-deaf individual, uh, specifically in 2023 and the the narrative around gun control, uh, gun violence, and so many different avenues regarding guns and the need for them. So he, of course, embroiled in scandal and and just off-putting remarks and narratives. Uh, of course, he latches on to this. Well, let me ask you this. Is that type of a gun, uh, I'm assuming it's manufactured by different companies, right? The different corporations manufacture the same style. So it's not just tied into one brand. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that guns, different manufacturers can make guns, like the way different companies make different kinds of bread. Not too sure how that works, though. This is what I think. So even if it's not that a a certain or specific manufacturing uh, brand is sort of uh, donating to his campaign, um, it could be possible that other groups, uh, lobbyist groups, could be NRA, whatnot, um, could be making a, a contribution. But let's just say even that's not even happening and it's something different. I do give George Santos one credit, and one is that 
he's kind of like is constantly uh, manipulating and uh, getting away with things, at least so far with impunity. So I think this this could be uh, two things. One, sort of changing the narrative or taking the narrative back, right? So instead of the press and people talking about him and his lies and his well, litany of lies and his just insane of, of all the rules he's broken, he's saying, you know, I'm going to uh, sort of back this controversial bill and so that my name is now associated with, uh, you know, this thing. But the second thing, which I think is more important, is I think is appealing to the far right. And what we've seen with Donald Trump is the far right is willing to have pretty much anyone in office as long as they are Republican and they follow their agenda. So he's probably smart enough to know, well, moderate Republicans are going to abandon him. A lot already have. So let me appeal to the far right who are going to say, yeah, we know you're a liar and you're just, uh, you know, just absurd and all of that. But hey, you know, you're you're for our guns. So we're going to get to keep our guns. So uh, let's uh, let's support it. So I think in a way he's he's being strategic. He's still an idiot, but yeah, he's well, he's course. he's still an idiot. But you're right. Yeah, because ultimately he's he's going to go. I mean, he's going to resign or he's going to, you know, get impeached or something. <laughs> I mean, I just think... don't see this going anywhere because his own his own party is abandoning him so uh yeah well, he's he's definitely going down with the ship well you know he was forced to resign from some of his committee uh assignments so you know he did that he did it uh quietly because he knew if he made noise about it it would look really bad so uh we'll see we'll see where that goes um let's shift to uh, sort of a different topic now we know that uh, death by suicide is, you know, still a major problem for our society. And uh, teens have, you know, very high suicide rate. Lately, I've noticed that, um, you know, many celebrities have have died by suicide, and also corporate executives. Um, last week, um, this billionaire, Thomas Lee died by suicide. And it just makes you think, like, how? Because, uh, of course, our head first goes, well, you're a billionaire. Like, what more do you want? And, and of course, mental health has nothing to do with that. Anyone can have mental health issues. But um, we know that our lives have become so much more stressful. And, you know, a lot of us sort of cope the best that we can. And some people do have uh, more challenges than others to cope are you also seeing this pattern of death by suicide sort of rising? Um, yeah, it makes you think people who have had very successful careers, um, whether it's personal issue or even a criminal issue, some executive in the last month committed suicide and it was later reported that he was under a criminal investigation. And then this billionaire who was uh, found in his office by uh, an assistant uh, in his in the bathroom in his office, uh, an older gentleman could be so many things, but I, I do kind of see that pattern. And it's just a reminder that you can't run away from mental health issues if you got them regardless of how much money you have or how many how many resources you have sometimes they get the better of you unfortunately yeah and there was also the ceo of bed bath and beyond who uh died by suicide shortly after 
the company basically going into bankruptcy, uh, which again is no reason. I mean, there's always reason to live. You know, bankruptcies happen all the time and no one likes them, but definitely no reason to uh, take your own life. But I hope that those that are contemplating get help. Um, There are lots and lots of resources out there. Just have to go online. Um, So yeah, I thought I'd just talk about that because it's it's kind of a disturbing thing that I'm uh, noticing. And I, you know, I want to bring back my let's get blunt. I have a topic that I, uh, I got to let it rip. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. You know, I'm pretty unfiltered and I don't like anytime I see BS or uh, lies, it just, I just crawl in my skin. And I've been seeing this for, you know, months now this phenomenon. And what I want to talk about is, is the is the the oil and gas industry as we know it throughout the world and the way we've been dealing with it. So after the invasion of Ukraine, uh, Russia's invasion of Ukraine a year ago, we, you know, the, the civilized world decided to uh, boycott Russia, rightfully so, and not buy its oil and gas and everything else as much as they could. And part of that was Russian gas and oil. And so, you know, of course, Putin, having his own friends in the neighborhood, went to the president of Azerbaijan, Aliyev, and said, well, why don't we launder uh, Russian oil through you and they can just buy from you? And so that's what's been happening. And what makes me crawl in my skin is individuals like the co-presidents of the European Union, uh, Charles Michel and Ursula von der Leyen, who've been uh, going to Azerbaijan and cutting deals with uh, Aliyev, who is uh, a terrorist. He is a mass murderer. He is someone who is committing genocide, as we speak, against the Armenians of the Independent Republic of Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh. They are shaking hands with this man someone they wouldn't have, and they would have treated him like Saddam Hussein had it not been for oil and gas, and calling him a partner and sort of being so pleased with themselves of boycotting Russian oil and gas, which is exactly what they're buying for Europe. Now, I understand uh, Europe's uh, need, but um, last week, one of the ministers from the nation of Luxembourg said, uh, we don't have to sell, and I'm paraphrasing, but something to the effect that we don't have to sell our soul for oil and gas. And he meant buying it from Azerbaijan. So, you know, let's get blunt. Let's get blunt about the hypocrisy, but the lie about this sort of uh, public relations uh, campaign that uh, the Western world has put out there that we are supporting Ukraine and and uh, rejecting Russia, when in fact, under the table, they're buying oil and gas uh, from Russia, just through Azerbaijan as a as a sort of a conduit. Um, it's, um, you know, and there's so much more about this hypocrisy. There's so much more about the double standard of, of uh, how Azerbaijan is being treated that I can go into, and I've talked about it in the past. But Today, I just wanted to focus on this uh, this energy issue that we supposedly uh, are sort of uh, boycotting Russia. Yeah, there you have it. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt.
Vic, uh, so you got an interview coming up, right? Who are you talking to? Yes, today? coming up. I I chat with uh, <clears throat> a brilliant, brilliant uh, professor that I've known for a long time, Dr. Kev uh, Abazajian. He's a professor of physics and astronomy, but he's also a, a major politico. He's very active uh, in the political scene, um, contributing his his wisdom, his experience um, throughout the nation with different uh, with different. Uh, you know, advocacies um, that he's doing. So it's going to be very interesting. We're, we're mainly going to talk about uh, politics and election and this, you know, those types of things. Um, but it's always good to have a scientist and the perspective of a scientist because it's rare, especially uh, someone of his caliber. So that's coming up. But uh, before the interview, let's take a, a short break. The Blunt Post with Vic. Dr. Kev Abazajian is a professor of physics and astronomy and the director of Center for Cosmology at the University of California, Irvine. Among countless honors and accolades, Professor Abazajian was awarded the distinction of being the faculty with greatest impact on an outstanding graduating senior, Distinguished Assistant Professor Award for Research from the University of California Academic Senate and the National Science Foundation Career Award. He is also a renowned political advocate and an activist on the national, regional, as well as locally in Orange County, working with the Democratic Party and several Armenian American political advocacy organizations. Good morning, Professor Abazajian. Uh, thank you for being on the Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? Doing great. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate your time uh, joining us from Orange County. Beautiful Orange County. Yeah, that's right. We're um, so used to doing these things remotely. Um, we're it's it's nice to have that capability. So we can be uh, what a hundred kilometers apart here and 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 talk to each other. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I should say you're, you're a professor of physics and astronomy at uh, the University of California, Irvine, uh, but you're also very politically active, and that's primarily what we're going to talk about. Um, you've been, uh, you know, very active on a on the national level with the Democratic Party, as well as local uh, level with uh, Orange County. Uh, we've just gone through this, I think, a landmark election, especially for Southern California. What is your general perspective on uh, where we are politically um, as a nation, and perhaps um, just locally as well or regionally? Yeah, I, I'd say, you know, nationally, we're still in a really precarious situation. There's a large fraction of our uh, Congress and, you know, the House and Senate who uh, more in the House, really, that that have rejected the 2020 election, presidential election and um, call into question any election that uh, doesn't go their way. And uh, that's that's just a very uh, dangerous situation to be in. And I think a lot of folks in Congress recognize that and are worried about that for our future in terms of uh, whether this takes hold. Now, uh, the last election was very positive in a lot of ways, even though it wasn't completely, you know, across the board Democratic wins. And we're like, I'm a Democrat, and I'd like to see Democrats win. But a lot of those who were flat out election deniers, uh, and uh, so the most extreme. In, on that side of the spectrum, lost their elections, and that was a, a, a heartwarming 
and positive sign. But I think we're still in a dangerous place. You don't, you know, we, every election is going to be different. If there's a, a, a crisis that comes up, um, you know, you don't know how people respond. So I think uh, we have to be a, very aware of, of, of this kind of anti-democratic movements and small d democratic movements to, to kind of question the future um, or question the basic processes of, of, of democracy. So um, locally, I think, you know, we're not as luckily in Southern California, uh, there's not quite that kind of extremism within the mainstream Republican party. Uh, and so we don't, uh, we it's, it's kind of good to see that, um, you know, to have an opponent that's a bit more uh, reasonable. So, yeah, I think it's a, you know, Orange County has been a special kind of place that I've been involved with about since about 2017 to see it uh, changing a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you just gave me a segue to the next question. But uh, so Orange County for decades, as we know, has been this sort of a stronghold, red county, very strong Republican county. That's definitely not the case anymore. Things have been changing. For example, Congresswoman Katie Porter, a very popular Democrat, is from Orange County. And uh, Orange County has been sort of turning purple to blue, you know, through the, especially in the last, I would say, five years, 10 years. You know, what do you think about this sort of, um, this movement of Orange County sort of changing colors, if you will? Yeah, I think it's a, it's really a, a positive sign as, as someone that wants to see more local action that are, that's progressive, that takes uh, action on uh, climate change that uh, I think is is one of the existential crises that we face um, locally and, and globally. Yeah, the 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 county has really changed. It's it's uh, really been it was deeply red, like locally here in Irvine and and overall in the county. And if you look back, you know, uh, 20, 30, 50 years ago, uh, but it's two things that have been going on. The county's been growing uh, a lot of folks moving here, a lot more diversity uh, coming in, um, and a lot, um, you know, just a different population. And I think the, the people in Orange County don't identify with the most extreme kind of right-wing positions. And um, a, a lot of Republicans have not, you know, deregistered as Republicans and become no party preference. And that's actually seen, you've seen now actually the for voter registration we have 80,000 more Democrats than Republicans in the county, uh, which sounds great. Like it's it's actually blue, um, but it's not quite because if you look, for instance, the last election between for governor, uh, Gavin Newsom actually uh, got 28,000 fewer votes than his Republican opponent. So, you know, that's uh, a, a small fraction. It was only a, a spread of about 3% in the in the county, but it, it, um, it does reflect that it's very much like right in the purple column of, of, of things. Well, we'll be, uh, it'll be an interesting 2024 uh, election. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Dr. Kev Abazajian, professor of physics and astronomy from UC Irvine. I, I, I do want to go back and ask you, uh, in terms of politically, um, if you can just sort of highlight some of the work that you've done and, and continue to do or organizations you're you're a part of and work with. Yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm a scientist by day, a professor of physics and astronomy at, at UC Irvine. And uh, one of the things that 
I saw really lacking in uh, politics was the involvement of people in the sciences, engineering, and in in politics. I think there's a real uh, push against having scientists, like there's kind of a sociological pressure not to be involved in politics as a scientist. But I think that's been a mistake. It kind of a lot of expertise that ex exists in the scientific community is not present in political discourse. And uh, we've seen uh, some change in that. There's been some groups that uh, are supporting scientists uh, getting more directly involved uh, in in uh, in uh, politics. Um, and so I think actually we'd all benefit across the political spectrum if more scientists were, were involved. In, um, and uh, so myself, I've, I've kind of always been a progressive Democrat and I'd be happy to debate scientists who are on the other side of the, of the political spectrum. It's, it's um, uh, anyway, I'd be happy to have more of that, more of that involvement because there's a lot of expertise to, to get involved. Um, but yeah, myself, I've been involved in um, the democratic party. I've been a registered Democrat for a while. And uh, before that, I was actually Green Party. I was even kind of more environmentally uh, identified with that uh, back when I was in graduate school. So I um, I definitely uh, am progressive. I think environmental issues are key. Um, and, and, you know, uh, how I got involved was basically after the 2016 election, a lot of people noticed, wow, things are not going well. Um, and we really need change. And so I got involved uh, locally with uh, my local Democratic Chartered Club called the Democrats Greater Irvine. I uh, also got involved with the Southern California Army and Democrats, which is largely LA County based, but um, I'm their OC uh, uh, director. Um, and we're starting a chapter here too. So uh, we're going to have a, a Southern California Army and Democratic chapter uh, in Orange County. And um, I've also been elected to the uh, state central committee uh, for the uh, Democratic Party, California Democratic Party, which is just kind of the body, about 3,000 people actually, but it's a small fraction of the, all Democrats in, in the state who uh, do things like endorsements and uh, set uh, the party platform resolutions that happen. And last year or last term, I was involved with the uh, uh, helping draft the California Democratic Party platform for the last, you know, which happens every two years. Wow. I'm, I'm surprised you have time to sleep with all that. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's been a lot. And one of the things that's kind of challenging is you become like more senior as a faculty member, they, you get more service. So it's like, it's more of the camps and like this administrative stuff to handle for uh, for the day job. And then of course, research and teaching so it's it's been a it's it's a challenge, but it's um, I think it's worth it. Yeah, public service to the states, to the county, to the city. This is the Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK ninety point seven FM. I am your host Vic Drummy, and you are listening to my interview with Dr. Kev Abazajian, professor of physics and astronomy from UC Irvine. I find it sort of silly, for lack of a better term, when randomly people or our society sort of says who who can and cannot be involved in politics. In, in your case, apparently it's the scientific community that sort of encourages scientists to stay out of politics, while other, um, uh, other times it's, uh, for example, you know, some people, especially from the Republican Party, don't want 
celebrities and uh, you know uh, you know movie stars to be uh, involved in politics. Bottom line is everyone is a citizen. Everyone has the right to their opinion and to be involved. Uh, it doesn't matter what your background is. And I mean, at a time when climate change is one of the most important things that we have to tackle, who better than scientists to have a seat at the table? So I don't get that. Yeah, there's kind of this kind of exclusionary, you're, you're not the right person to be involved in this. And that is, it, it's really, I, I just can't, I can't imagine That's why they, I mean, it's just a political position. It's like, no, you're not, you're not worth listening to. So, um, and it's, it's, it's exclusionary, well, my, like so many other things that, that some people in the political sphere do. So, yeah. And that's how we get stuck in these boxes where it's like politics as usual, because it's the same people, the patriarchal, um, sort of style and patriarchal system and, uh, nothing changes. So if nothing changes, nothing changes, bring in different perspectives. Um, moving on, you, you mentioned, uh, about uh, your Armenian roots, you're an Armenian American, and have you've also been uh, of service to Armenian causes, especially uh, there've been a lot since uh, Azerbaijan's invasion of Artsakh. Some people know it as Nagorno-Karabakh, which is its Soviet name. It's uh, kind of an old relic. And uh, starting December 12th, when uh, Azerbaijan illegally blocked uh, the only road leading from Armenia to Artsakh, hence uh, cutting off 120,000 Armenians from food and medicine and supplies, cutting off their gas, electricity, uh, which continues. Today is day 78 of this complete humanitarian catastrophe. What is your take on what's happening? I feel like Azerbaijan is just out of control and is committing crimes against humanity with impunity. From your perspective, scientists and and with the risk of sort of stereotyping are more pragmatic and more analytical. What do you think about what's happening? Yeah, I'm, you know, I, I'm probably, you know, on average, maybe more pragmatic and, and, uh, and analytical about positions, but I think about what's going on with um, Ar Armenia and Armenians in Artsakh is uh, probably kind of more, more strident position that isn't, uh, that's going to set aside uh, diplomacy. And I think it's, I think it's actually just, plainly the continuation of the Armenian genocide that started uh, in 1915. Uh, we've got Armenia that it's a it's a genocide survivor state and it's bordered by two nations that refuse to recognize that genocide and in fact really have continued it. If you look at cultural genocide as part of genocide, that has continued in the decades since you know the mass killings stopped in Turkey and in Azerbaijan. Uh, they've removed uh, many of the uh, cultural heritage sites of, our, of Armenians that used to live in Turkey, Nakhichevan, which is part of Azerbaijan, and Azerbaijan proper, and um, uh, and uh, and even tried to erase it by calling it that it's, uh, other cultures have uh, were, were you know developed those things, or simply physically removing them, uh, like in the cases of cemeteries and and. Uh, some monasteries in Nahichivan. And then it's, you know, it really came to a violent genocidal assault again in 2020, that actual killing of Armenians again in 2020. So I think we're, we're basically seeing that kind of um, nationalistic anti-Armenian sentiment continue to today. And the blockade is 
yet another part of that blockade is is an instrument of genocide. And um, I think it, it really needs to uh, be called out for what it is by everyone. I completely agree. I About uh, you know, two, two and a half years ago, when, well, first when, when the invasion happened on September 27, 2020, and then a few months later when I started making my documentary film, Motherland, I was calling it a genocide. At first I said genocidal invasion and ethnic cleansing. Then it became clear that it was genocide when I spoke with uh, several genocide scholars and experts. And, uh, and now uh, a lot of people, um, non-Armenians, uh, even media, uh, finally, is calling it what it is. Uh, so I, I completely agree. I think this is a continuation of the Armenian genocide, especially when you uh, consider that the perpetrator of the Armenian genocide, uh, Turkey, uh, facilitated and helped Azerbaijan to orchestrate their invasion uh, in 2020 and continues to, to help Aliyev's uh, regime. Which brings me to this. So I, you know, I'm a Democrat. Don't make any bones about it voted for President Biden, uh, and although he uh, recognized he was the first president to, to formally recognize the Armenian genocide in 2021, he's completely disappointed me uh, after, uh, a week after recognizing the genocide, he lifted Section 907 of the Freedom Act and gave $100 uh, USAID to Azerbaijan, supposedly for a border control and this and that which is absurd. Uh, Azerbaijan doesn't need money from the U.S. Um, uh, certainly, they're, they're sheltering and, and importing terrorists. I don't know why they need to have money to uh, secure their borders. And they've done it again, uh, both you know President Biden and Secretary Blinken. And then when we look at the administration's reaction to the invasion of Ukraine by Russia, which I think was very well done, uh, it just makes you wonder uh, about the double standard. President Biden, you know, just visited Ukraine, but he hasn't even said a word about what's happening in Artsakh and Armenia, which was invaded itself in September of last year. What do you think about the double standard and this sort of, this uh, silence, this deafening silence that's coming from the White House uh, altogether? Yeah, that's a, it's a really, it's it's a kind of a shocking double standard in I think it's 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 complicated by the geopolitics of of Europe and and the U.S. Um, and uh, you know the security of of Europe in itself. Like um, it would be absolutely shocking for the West to just allow for an independent sovereign country to be invaded by Russia or any other state and let that happen. Right. So we we do need to. Um, let you know support Ukraine and its efforts to be a democratic and free society, but then to see that that is not the U.S.'s position to let Armenians in Artsakh live in a democratic and free society and uh, to self-determine their own uh, government and 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 fate, you know, and it's it's just a sad state of you know political geopolitical affairs that you know the hundred twenty thousand. Uh, that remain in Artsakh now, which is a much smaller number than was there prior to the 2020 invasion, to just ignore them. And it is uh, sad. I can't think of any other word to describe it, that the U.S. will not take a principled position for Artsakh and Armenians of Artsakh. 
um, instead of you know giving way to um, energy security issues and and uh, you know having Azerbaijan be a source of fossil fuel energy for Europe um, and not uh, standing by principles instead. And I think you know I think it's partly these things are entangled. Like Ukraine is such a big focus. I think nothing's gonna. I, I'm afraid nothing's gonna move forward for kind of a Kosovo moment for Artsakh until uh, the Ukraine situation's sorted out. And uh, and I think we we want to we all want to see that happen. Kind of this Kosovo moment for for Artsakh to be recognized. But um, I think it's going to be a while, unfortunately. I think you're right. I don't see uh, an end to this anytime soon. This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Dr. Kev Abazajian, professor of physics and astronomy from UC Irvine. Something you said reminded me of what uh, one of the ministers of the country of Luxembourg just uh, said. He said, uh, we cannot sell our souls for oil and gas or something like that. And to that effect, um, I may be paraphrasing, but you know how true is that? Europe, European Union has just bent over backwards for Aliyev, you know, letting him get away with uh, pretty much everything, just so that they can cut a deal for oil and gas. And ironically, not ironically, it's sadly, uh, they're ignoring the fact that a lot of Russian oil is being laundered through Azerbaijan. So, on one hand, they claim that they they're not going to support uh, Putin. Uh, but they know full well they're buying Russian oil. It's just going through uh, Azerbaijan. But hey, you know, let's just not talk about it. And maybe it won't be true. So let's let's sort of change focus and about science because I rarely have a guest uh, that's a scientist, especially a a research scientist. So uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you: Is there uh, is there anything scientific, any news, any discovery, any development that would be exciting that, that sort of affects the average, those of us that are not completely scientifically inclined? I think one of the, oh, yeah, one of the most interesting things that I've been looking at recently is that, so I'm a cosmologist plus particle astrophysicist. So I work on general questions of the cosmos um, and folks probably know the universe is expanding. And it turns out that um, the uh, expansion that's measured locally, which originally was done in South, Southern California, actually in Mount Wilson, uh, that measurement of of the expansion that's measured locally is uh, a bit faster than expected, uh, based on measurements of of things from the early universe, particularly the cosmic microwave background. And that discrepancy uh, has been around for about ten over ten years now and could be indicating something new in cosmology. So some new physics and that is that is not known uh, before. So it could be uh, something going on with what's called dark energy. It could be uh, some new thing entirely uh, that was present in, in the early universe or in the late universe. So um, that's something to keep an eye on. It's, it, could be, it could be the next big thing in cosmology. It sounds fascinating. I, I wish I knew a little bit more to really appreciate it to the degree that I think it should be appreciated. It just goes to show you there's so much we don't know yet. It's kind of like the exploration of the brain. Uh, there's so much out there that uh, we're still learning. Some of us are still at the infancy of knowledge when it comes to the universe. So yeah, thank you for that. 
This is The Blunt Post with Vic on KPFK 90.7 FM. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Dr. Kev Abazajian, Professor of Physics and Astronomy from UC Irvine. Professor, is there a question I should have asked you that I did not, or is there something else you'd like to share? Good question. I, I um, There's so much that's going on in the in the world, and I'm glad to, we've had this time to share, talk about Armenia and, and also um, Artsakh. I think that everybody should look into what's going on uh, with uh, with the, um, the people of Artsakh and, and uh, see that they're just a uh, want to exist and and determine their own fate and and support them. Uh, I just think that that's gotten not nearly enough attention. I'm glad your show brings it to attention uh, and um, you know, people should be aware of it. Absolutely. I absolutely agree. It's um, whenever I tell someone who knows nothing about it and I sort of give them a a little bit of a rundown of the reality, they're, they're always, you usually say, how come we don't know anything about it? And, uh, you know, my answer is because the media chooses whose pain and suffering definitely lack there. But uh, for sure, I appreciate you talking about it. I appreciate um, all the all the, the, the info. Thank you so much. And hopefully uh, we'll chat again soon. Thank you, Vic. That was my interview with uh, Professor Abazajian from UC Irvine. Uh, thank you, Professor, for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. Um, appreciate your time and hope to chat with you again soon. Before we go, I'd like to thank my producer, Ricky Herrera, without whom this show would not be possible, and KPFK, the station that brings you unfiltered and commercial-free news, opinion, and hopefully some inspiration. Thank you for joining me today on The Blunt Post with Vic. For more information, please visit thebluntpost.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jaramie, at V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. Thank you. The Blunt Post with Vic.